0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Grow With Us. My name is Evan Barton, and I'm your host who helps create conversations with the innovators and leaders of a growing tech center in Tulsa, Oklahoma. The Grow With Us podcast highlights in Tulsa Talent's work a bridging Tulsa Talent with tech opportunities and the revolutionary work around the city. In Tulsa's mission is to connect talented individuals and companies to stimulate economic growth in Tulsa, and to create more prosperous communities across the region. Each episode, Grow With Us discusses the growth of opportunities, the growth of communities striving for change, or the tech and innovation that is changing the landscape of Tulsa. On this episode of Grow With Us, we are in conversation with Raquel Wilson, the founder and CEO of Raise the Bar Investments and the Director of Development at KIPP Tulsa Public Charter School. We discuss her story with founding Raise the Bar Investments, working with students in North Tulsa at KIPP Tulsa Public Charter School, and her experience in the NU program. Super excited to have you on, Raquel. Thanks for being here.
1: Thank you. I'm so excited to share more of our story.
0: Oh, this is going to be great. I've. It's so funny. We were in like the planning of this episode. We had been chatting and I had seen you around. And then like last week, we randomly saw each other like two times at the same event. Mm-hmm. And it's like, this is just good rapport. We're building up to this. <laughs> it shows
1: the impact. When you're in Tulsa and you're impacting, you're going to see the same people.
0: Oh, yeah. And I really enjoyed both of those events that we were at. Uh, last week. Um, kind of will tie into some of our stories, I bet. So let's kind of get started with a little introduction to you. Tell us your story in really whatever way you feel comfortable.
1: Absolutely. So I always mention that since I'm living in Oklahoma, I'm from the original O State, Ohio. <laughs> I studied uh, at the Ohio State University Public Health, and we always talk about how it's important to not work in silos. It's important to work together. And during my senior year at Ohio State, I was interning in Washington, D.C. at the Federal Judicial Center. And it was almost serendipitous that my co-intern told me about Teach for America and I was getting recruited on LinkedIn at the same time. One thing led to another. Teach for America led me to Oklahoma. And almost four years later, this is now my second home.
0: Oh, I love that. Yeah. I think that that's funny. I actually know so many, so many people whose pathways are through TFA, which is great. I mean, I think it brings great people to Tulsa. So did you, what? what did you studied at Ohio State. You did um, the Washington, D.C. Where did kind of those interests come, come from uh, throughout mm-hmm. your your story?
1: Absolutely. While I was in college at Ohio State studying public health, I realized, well, number one, public health is everything that affects your health outside of just your doctor. Mm-hmm. So it's the sweeteners in your drinks. It's the bike helmets that you wear when you're riding the bike or wearing a mo- or riding a motorcycle. It's the seatbelts that you wear in your car. It's also the education that you have access to. So once that clicked in my head that public health is education and our zip code is so closely tied to those two things, a light bulb went off in my head. That's when I started to intern at the FJC, which is the uh, Supreme Court's education and research agency. So while I was creating these education programs for today's uh, court officials and district judges, I realized I love of education. But I wanted to have intervention earlier on in our um, learning cycle. I wanted to make sure that our students, the future of society was actually they were actually going to get education that was helpful to them. So then, like I mentioned, Teach for America came along. And I'll always say that the reason I stay in education is because I think that early intervention is the best type of intervention. If we can have preventative maintenance within our communities when it comes to financial literacy, uh, we can have economic development. We can have business development. We can have educational development. Um, but I guess I would say I'm a little bit of a TFA group. Me and I've drunk in the Kool-Aid a little bit <laughs> to say that education truly does, uh, begin with opportunity and opportunity begins with education. And it's truly a positive feedback loop.
0: Oh, 100%. I, I love the way you phrase that because I think it's, it's also a very similar passion. I think we share because I, I had previously done some education nonprofit work and, um, through it like a little STEM at city Year as well. So like i i find and then all of my family is education uh they've either been administrators high school counselors speech uh speech pathologists um Mm -hmm. kind of all in uh all in the schools and i really i'm really passionate about students and and especially in kind of the the k through 12 it's a whole industry that really i didn't think about as like a job opportunity until you know you start thinking about what you want to do as a job Um Truly. and it, it just seemed like such an easy place to step into because it was an area I, I had continued studying in college um a lot of my sociology classes i was a sociology minor um really tied into education i was like okay there's um a huge opportunity
1: <laughs> oh totally and i'll tell you too um Every school is a little bit different. And one of the things that attracted me to Tulsa and teaching here is the fact that KIPP Tulsa was really focused on to and through college. Now there's a lot of focus on college, career, technology, entrepreneurship, things that are beyond just college. Mm -hmm. Um, But I know even being a first generation um, college graduate and first generation teacher in my family, I know the impact that my education had on me. Mm -hmm. Um, I lived in Uh, a not so good area in Toledo, Ohio. And I was the only person for blocks to be able to go to a private school my entire life. Mm -hmm. And I know that that was a huge deciding factor in the impact that I've been able to create and just the way that my interests have uh, taken a turn throughout the years. So I always try to give back through education. And I really think it's great that there's Uh, There are schools here in Tulsa like KIPP Tulsa Public Charter Schools that are doing the work, but also there needs to be more work done. So I think we're leading the way, but there's still more work to be done. (laughs)
0: Always, always. It's a never ending story. (laughs) Yes, truly. Um, Go ahead and tell me a little bit about what your relationship with Tulsa is like. I know that so you said that you've been here for four years. How have you seen the city grow already?
1: I'll say my relationship with Tulsa boils down into two words. Number one, history. And number two, love. I found out after I moved here that my grandfather actually lived here for a long time. Oh, wow. Yes, I was looking on Ancestry.com and found his war draft records for, I think it was like 1922 um, and sometime in the 40s and his address. Um, was where the Carver Middle School buildings are. Wow, and that's crazy. And it really was. It was an identity shift for me, not only being a young woman fresh out of college into a new role in a brand new city, mm-hmm. um, but also now understanding, hmm, what is my ancestry? Am I part Native? Am I... Um, a descendant of the Tulsa Race Massacre? I don't know. Damn. But from that moment, it helped me understand that no matter what my identity was, my identity is in Tulsa. And that's why I love Tulsa so much. That's why when it comes to education and entrepreneurship, that's how I truly love to show love to Tulsa. And it loves me right back. I'm a home homeowner here now. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, thank you. I, I love it. I think it's important to live and work in the areas that we impact. So I'm really grateful to be here and I really think that when it comes to education in Tulsa, we all have to be all hands on
0: deck. Oh, 100 percent. Oh, I love I love that you kind of identity shift. That's such a great word, because I think that um, that's something that I kind of went through with, uh, also relating to my indigenous identity, too. Like, um, you know, it was something that me personally, like I knew growing up, we were native and we were from like a a place where predominantly my tribe and and my people are from but there was just no connection Mm -hmm. either culturally or whatever i mean obviously that is the colonial project at work Mm -hmm. um but it was just really interesting to realize that like this is something i still can choose because it's a part of who i am and it's a part of the way that i actually do want to navigate this world with with my indigenous identity like something that i share with people and am proud of and let I try to let everyone know just as much as I let people know I'm I'm gay. I let people know that I am a native as well. Yeah. So it's just these two identities that are like really important to who I are to how I navigate the world. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, I think it's really cool that like you we can we get to choose that in a way. And then also the, the repercussions of that choice kind of change our trajectory in a lot of ways. I mean, the communities mm-hmm. that we want to impact the way that we want to serve other people that might have similar identities to us. That That's exactly why Tulsa has been like a good fit for me. And it, it seems to be a good fit for you as well because you can find those communities that really impact that are similar to you.
1: Absolutely. I think that's one of the large ways that Tulsa has grown over the four or so years that I've been here. It's become more accepting. I just made a post on LinkedIn the other day that one of the reasons I stay here is because it values my number one core value so much, relationships. Mm -hmm. Folks here really love to just learn about others and no matter your identity and learn about how we can create impact together. And I would say that's my favorite thing about how Tulsa has changed in terms of the city's identity and mm-hmm. response to its, its Tulsans and its citizens' identities.
0: Yeah, 100%. And I think also, uh, I'm just going to get into some of your experiences right now. I, I yeah. bet that um, your work at Build in Tulsa at, through the EIR program is exactly a, a replication or a demonstration of that. Getting to talk to entrepreneurs and getting to help people in so many different stages too. It spark ideas. Talk to me a little bit about what that, that's been like for you?
1: Absolutely. So I have a business. It's called Raise the Bar Investments. It's all things minority friendly, personal finance, from our workbook series to the workshops and professional development that we provide for businesses and organizations to the software that we have coming up. And I'll say that building Tulsa and being part of their Entrepreneurs and Residence program has been so helpful, not only for having the desk space in 36 Degrees North, right in the heart of Tulsa, but it's also been helpful to just build relationships with key stakeholders, whether it's fellow entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs working through their own processes or potential investors and supporters who can help grow out these ideas. Um, like I said, with the Tulsa ecosystem, everyone is really focused on growth and helping each other. And that's one of the things I really find that's genuine with Bill in Tulsa. Mm-hmm. It's altruistic. Of course, it's a business, but um, everyone really wants to see everyone win. And I think it is one of the true examples of how an organization can come into Tulsa, create change in Tulsa, work with the community and create social corporate responsibility because they're even partnering with us at Kip for our uh, pitch competition. So that's exciting.
0: That is so cool. No, I I love I, as soon as they like unveiled all of the things that Build in Tulsa was going to do, I was like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, they've got so many awesome things happening. You know, we've got the ACT Tulsa, we've got Tech Stars, we've got Lightship here. And then yes. also this huge, like, I think this EIR program, uh, which stands for entrepreneur in residence, mm-hmm. I apologize if that wasn't if I didn't mention that at the top, but um, I think it's such an interesting asset to a community. Mm-hmm. The first time I had heard of like a program similar, I guess, was more through like an artist in residency. Um, whenever I was studying uh, Native American art in New Mexico and to just apply the similar, uh, the similarities in the program, you know, like it's someone that is incubating their own ideas, obviously, but also there for consultative, um, I guess, advice Uh, ad hoc or at will and and really just serves as a person in the community that you can go to for specialty advice type of thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Has that kind of been a, a little bit of what it's felt like working there? Just like, you know, someone with an idea is like, I want to talk to another entrepreneur about this.
1: Absolutely. They have opportunities for fiscal capital, such as their micro grants and their female founders pitch night. But they also have opportunity for social capital and inspirational capital, which I think is the most important thing. I was just talking to Desiree today and it amazes me every time she talks about building Tulsa and the fact that it is also a startup. And it reminds me that my little startup can create impact just in the same way. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited to see that they've grown so much in the past year or two. Yeah. I can't believe I don't even know if it's been a full two years yet, but <laughs> I will say that they definitely come in clutch when it comes to uh, the social capital, the physical capital, all of the resources that you would need as a new business owner here in Tulsa or beyond.
0: That's amazing. And and your your personal company is also committed to doing that as well. So Absolutely. kind of tell me a little bit about Raise the Bar and uh, your your mission and kind of how it all got started for you.
1: The mission of Raise the Bar Investments is bold. To close the racial and the gender wealth gap. We probably heard about the... Um, racial wealth gap and equal pay day and things of that nature. We really focus on making minority friendly content that's easy to understand and easy to apply. Um, primarily through our first book products, our Black Wealth Freedom series, which actually just fully launched as of this month. That's really exciting. Oh, that's amazing. This
0: month. Yes. Thank oh, you so much. That's so cool. Book
1: three, which is called The Money Moves Workbook, is actually launching this Saturday at Fulton Street Books. You can buy it online on our website. You can buy it at Fulton Street Books. We always love supporting another Black-owned business, woman-owned business, TFA alum. Um, And I'll say that we really want to make sure that everyone has the skills needed to build wealth to change the trajectory for their last name. We focus on four main pillars. Number one, having that money mindset, aka financial psychology. Then number two, actually having the personal finance skills that you need to create the goals that you want and to achieve the goals that you want. Then number three, upskilling to increase your earned income. So what skills can you add to add value to your resume or to increase your earning potential? And then finally, number four, investing your way to wealth. Everyone wants to just get right into investing, but they don't actually have the context behind it. Um, But I'll say this business was built in the classroom. Like I shared, I was a teacher. I traditionally taught biology. But when we were graduating our first ever group of seniors at Kip Tulsa High School, I wanted to make sure they had engaging personal finance education, not just the stuff that everyone's clicking through. Mm -hmm. Um, And while creating that curriculum for them during their second semester, that's actually what transformed into my second book, Personal Finance crash course what they didn't teach you in school. So I'm really grateful. I always say that the best businesses solve the most real world problems. Yeah. And I really pride myself in doing that because financial illiteracy is the number one economic pandemic in the entire world. That's yeah. It's a real issue here. Um, So I thank my students all the time. And I'm really grateful that not only we're able to create business to consumer products, but also business to business products like our workshops and professional developments. We work with Holberton, NASDAQ, quite a few um, great organizations. And I'm really excited to see how we're going to grow and change the trajectory for many last names to come.
0: Oh, that's amazing. You have a great pitch. (laughs) Thank
1: you. I try.
0: (laughs) I was like, oh, my gosh, that was great. Um, There's so many things I want to dive into. The first thing I want to talk about is like wow how relevant and what a re- what a really cool way to like in a, incubate your curriculum with with a group of students or just mm-hmm. a population that um really needs it <laughs> i mm-hmm. mean that's obviously a huge target audience probably for you is is the business to consumer and the consumers being kid like kids that are going to be making these money decisions like very soon i mean graduating if they're about to graduate high school it's about to be adult time for the, for those folks. And that is like, I never felt prepared for that. (laughs) I don't think I went through anything in life other than, you know, get my, my parents helping, or, you know, I guess like encouraging me to get my own job. That is like what helped me create my own personal financial like pathway or even just like understanding. And obviously that has grown over time just as like, I have, um, had opportunities, but I, I just, It's so I bet it was so fun to do that for those students and and so relevant for them because I took my personal financial literacy course freshman year of high school, oh, the man. time when it was the least relevant for me. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. And I'll say, even though the target market for my business is 18 to 39-ish, we've served folks from seven years old to 70 years old, all wow. right? Because it it's an issue, financial illiteracy, that crosses all different age ranges. Even when we say minority, we mean that by race, class, or gender. Mm-hmm. So quite a few people, whether you are a minority or not, can use our information. And I always go back to just being grateful for my students because not only Thinking back to my upbringing in my community in Toledo, Ohio, but mm-hmm. also thinking about my experiences in the classroom and what my students were going through, teaching and learning through the pandemic and their families, um, I even think about my first year teaching. I I was driving this car that I, I wasn't the most proud of. Uh, <laughs> we've all
0: been there. <laughs> we've all
1: been there. All right, talking about one of my most important wealth building stories or just thinking about my wealth journey. Mm -hmm. Um, My students always saw my car. It was one of those cars you had to like get in on the other side. (laughs) And I told them one of my goals at the end of that year was to buy an eco-friendly car, not just, you know, any type of new car. But my goal was my primary value there was about it being eco-friendly, being a hybrid or electric vehicle. Um, And I told them, well, depending on how hard I work this year, I'll either get one, two or three. And they were three different tiers. Mm -hmm. And for me, that was a big journey about understanding the difference between wealth versus riches because I yes. wanted to get the nicest, biggest, newest, foreign, custom car, <laughs> all of the things. And I was learning through that journey, not only the hard lessons like don't get your credit check at the dealership, come pre-approved, yeah, um, but yeah. also learning the lessons of what is wealth versus riches. And although... It always sticks with me when my students talk about that experience. And they're like, you know, Miss Wilson, she always said one thing and she did. She got that car. You know, (laughs) for them, it was about being able to accomplish a goal and showing that you can have something material. Mm -hmm. But for me, it was about that learning lesson of understanding that when you get money, you don't just spend it just to flaunt it. You want to make sure that you're thinking about, is this an appreciating asset? Is this a depreciating asset? And seeing my students have those learning lessons alongside me made me realize I need to get this to the people that have missed this in high school Mm -hmm. and as an LLC, as a social enterprise, I have the opportunity to partner with nonprofits to make sure this still gets to high school students, middle school students, or even creating new products alongside them. So I really love, I mean, always shout out and salute to my Kip Tulsa students. They are just as important in this business creation as me.
0: Oh, that's awesome. I mean, it's like little, um, they, I I love that you talk about it as like, they're getting a lesson as well, because it, 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 that's something that feels so isolating sometimes about American culture is that you deal mm-hmm. with things on your own all the time. Mm-hmm. Like I just speaking about cars, I've had I had probably the worst car situation at the end at the beginning of 2021. And I could have learned 800 million lessons during <laughs> that time. And the only people that got to hear it were the people that I complained to, (laughs) which of course is my loving support system that I have and everything. So many other people before and after me are going to continue to be taken advantage of in this way without the information like you're talking about, like personal financial literacy is a huge epidemic. So I love it. I love the mission. I do want to kind of talk about the tech platform that that's going to come from this. What just bare bones ideas if you have any.
1: When it comes to our business, Raise the Bar Investments, like I've shared, our unique value proposition is that we are minority friendly. We create things that are easy to understand and easy to apply. So as we create this software, we're thinking about minorities as we create this. What are some of the common pain points that we endure? Um, Even when we're thinking about financial psychology, what are some of the traumas that we have dealt with within our own lifetime, but also intergenerationally? Mm -hmm. Um, I also think about when I was referring to our second pillar, personal finance skills, one of those is understanding your personal values. That applies not only to how your money flows, but also your career and other things that are meaningful to you, your friends, your relationships. Um, so I will say that this software will include um, all of the things that are mentioned that are missing in the market: the financial psychology, the understanding of uh, who minorities are, and creating something that is for us by us. So yeah. I'm really excited for it to come and definitely stay connected with Race of Art to see when it comes out.
0: Oh, that's great! I'm uh, super excited for you and that venture. I know that the, I know that's going to be a huge add to kind of your mission and, and how you want to grow the company. So super excited for that.
1: Thank you. Um,
0: similarly, and in terms of talking about growing in your career and things like that, um, I, I would love to hear more about your role at Tulsa. I, I think that um, just your title really intrigues me because I really, I do think that development is such an important element of school and it seems, it seems like something you've uniquely crafted for yourself. So kind of how did you land in that role and tell me about it?
1: Absolutely. I was a teacher at KIPP Tulsa for about three years and. I was in a space with my business where it was growing, and like I shared, my passion first was education, so I knew I wanted to continue to impact in that way, but I knew I was outgrowing the classroom in terms of my personal goals and boundaries and things of that nature, and at the time, a door opened. I always believed that when a door opens, if it's right for you, it'll work out, and that's what happened, so a door opened for me to apply to this position as Director of Development, which I like to say is all things Fundraising, all things business development, all things economic development for our kids. I really just consider myself an extension or an advocate of our students in this role. Um, So I'm no longer in the classroom teaching, but now I oversee fundraising and development for our 5th through 12th grade scholars for our 5th through 12th grade site. So for those who haven't heard of or seen KIPP Tulsa Schools, we are actually a 5th through 12th grade public charter system serving primarily North Tulsa students. We want to make sure that in this academically underserved area, that our students are actually getting quality, rigorous education that includes understanding of their sense of being, who they are as humans, includes social and emotional learning, includes experiential learning. Even with our pitch competition coming up this fall, we realize that The Tulsa history, we've actually never had a high school based pitch competition. So we at KIPP, we actively look for ways to make sure our students are getting 21st, 22nd and 23rd century skills um, and ensuring that they walk away with their KIPP education. Not only having high levels of literacy, having high levels of STEM knowledge, having high levels of creativity, but those real world skills that allow them to live, lead and thrive, hopefully here in Tulsa, but Tulsa and beyond as well.
0: Oh, that's amazing. I, I really, I love the mission of that, obviously. And then I think that it's such an important, I, there's so many community or there's so many schools serving North Tulsa and in that, that community. But I think that Kip Tulsa just does like a really interesting job and has such an interesting place in there too. So it's right. I went to Booker T for high school mm-hmm. and um, we I played baseball. And so our baseball field was right next yep. to, to the site. And so we'd always see Kip kids like either uh, playing in the band or whatever and all of them are actually really nice like mm-hmm. of course as a high schooler you're like trying to side-eye middle schoolers or whatever <laughs> to say you're cool but like if you ever had a conversation with them like I did kind of a, a random events outside of baseball practice they were like really in, invested in the, their own education and had a really good sense of like why they were there which was great um, mm-hmm. and I think I think um, I'm I'm really just glad that there is something like that serving so that community um because i think that the main thing that i i feel like is just so interesting and and something that um my education didn't ever include was kind of this like at least in your role it didn't really feel like there was any intervention outside of like my core classes or whatever Mm -hmm. like i i feel like Things were either in the curriculum or they weren't in the curriculum, mm-hmm. and I I feel like that's kind of a unique opportunity you you get to have it in your role is to kind of talk to people and really the students kind of about why things in the classroom are relevant to to X Y or Z, and that's like the connections that are super valuable, and I I like to make hopefully for people now is like do you know how this is, is this or or like this, and really tech is kind of a way that I'm I'm getting to do that now, but. It's really interesting and fun to make those connections for people because I think it can start to spring ideas.
1: Oh, absolutely. That's our goal, to make the learning in the classroom sticky. At KIPP, we have an amazing chief academic team. Our chief academic officer makes sure that all of our curriculum is in alignment and that all of our teachers uh, across both campuses, our middle school and our high school, are making sure our messaging is consistent so our students can apply outside of the classroom and can actually understand, oh, this geometry lesson actually applies to Call of Duty and the range (laughs) at which Which I'm shooting something. This is a real lesson that one of our teachers taught last year. So I just really commend from top to bottom, from bottom to top, the hard work. Our teachers work hard. And that's something that also attracted me to Kip as a teacher because I knew, well, if I'm going to be a first year teacher and I'm going to be serving in a place that needs teachers, quality teachers, I want to make sure I'm doing it right. So on average, our teachers get at least 50 hours extra per year. I'm not even considering the summer training, not even considering the additional professional development opportunities available for our teachers so that's why I really love to talk about what our students are doing and what our teachers are doing, because to provide academic excellence, man, it's not cheap. So I'm really grateful to advocate on behalf of our students and teachers and just make a better Tulsa through education.
0: Yeah, it's not only not cheap, it is not easy work True, or everybody would be doing it and it would be done right.
1: Yes. <laughs> that's yes. amazing.
0: Um, I, I think that really what we're highlighting about about you, Raquel, is that you have an amazing uh, sense of community and how to serve your community. And I think Thank another you. another way that you're doing that is through uh, working with Trey Chagrin at the Skill fund. Uh, yes. Can you kind of talk to me about that as well?, uh, we've had Trey on the podcast, and uh, I loved hearing kind of what he said about the partnership and really just the direction you all were going. So I'd love to kind of hear your perspective on that.
1: Absolutely. Trey and I were connected through a mutual friend at NU, and I know we'll probably talk a little bit about that later. Um, But one of the things I really appreciated about Trey up front is the fact that he is a Tulsa remote member that actually is paying it forward with his funding. I really think it's important that for new to Tulsa folks, whether it's through a business, whether it's through an accelerator, whether you're uh, working remotely, I think it's important to understand how you can integrate into the community, not only socially, but sowing a seed to the community. Mm -hmm. So I think it's great that he not only thought about it, but put it into action through his organization, Skill Fund. And for those who haven't heard about it, it's an organization that is supporting creative entrepreneurship, creative development. Um, Individuals will be able to um, not only build their skills, but receive a $1,000 grant to Uh, physically build their skills as well. And I just think that's amazing for those that are 18. I want to say to 25. Trey and I were able to work together to really get the message out to the greater Tulsa community through news features and media. I was also on the committee to help determine who would be able to access to this amazing program. And I just can't wait to see how it can continue to grow as well as seeing how the Tulsa philanthropic scene will embrace it so it can sustain.
0: Yeah, 100 percent. I thought I love the idea behind it because it's just such an that eighteen to twenty five. I'm I'm still uh, in that
1: uh, I'm <laughs> right? still in that age range <laughs> for
0: about a couple of weeks now. But yeah. um, it's such a hard time if you don't know what you're doing. And I would really challenge you if you were twenty four and said you knew what you were doing and you've mm-hmm. been doing it for years, six years or whatever. Um, so really, just that space that the space and place to grow is so important. And I really, I, I love highlighting too, like, mm-hmm. you know, giving back to the community is such an important part of the people that, that come to Tulsa. I, I, I think Trey and, not, and multiple other people that I've either had on this podcast or I know in the community are, are, are paying that forward um, mm-hmm. in some way, shape or form. I, I, I know that integrating socially is super important, but like you, like you mentioned, sowing that seed is, is how this place grows and grows for all and it can grow mm-hmm. equi- equitably as people continue to to come here. And I think that's so important.
1: Absolutely. And if you're a Tulsa remote alum or you're someone that has moved to Tulsa and you're like, dang, it's too late for me. I've already spent a year here. No, it's not. You can always learn more. Um, you can learn more about organizations like the Tulsa Area United Way that I think so many young professionals are missing, but is such a key resource within our community for those who often go without. So if you can't sow a seed, if you can't give, then learn. Learn what... Um, might be best for you and what might align most with your values and how you would like to contribute to our community.
0: 100%. Um, So you just alluded to it um, in in my last question, but I would love to hear about your experience with the NU program. So I'm going to kind of tee it up because I actually don't feel like I've talked about it on the podcast before, but NU, you're probably going to be able to tell this better than I am now that I get started. (laughs) But um, NU is a program that was incubated and started through in Tulsa led by really, truly one of the most greatest people i've ever met um mm-hmm. aaron wiggum um but it's a personal development course that uh, we've been able to provide and has you know launched into i think they're on their sixth cohort mm-hmm. now they have a spanish language version of it as well here in tulsa just a truly um i i think like world-changing opportunity for a lot of these folks that have had the opportunity and you were one of the first so kind of <laughs> i'd love for you to tell me about that experience
1: thank you so Nu you uh was an amazing experience i was in their inaugural cohort it was during the time that I just became a certified financial education instructor and was in my last year in the classroom and was trying to figure out what is next for me. I will say that the program took us through an array of different growth activities, which some I was familiar with, some I was not. But the most important thing for me um from the program was being able to build relationships with individuals that I didn't know that were movers and shakers in this community. Mm-hmm. Some folks knew that they were, some folks, the program pulled it out of them. Um, but I, I feel like I was able to come to a decision to ultimately stay in Tulsa, stay in the nonprofit education scene and not go to the private crypto scene because that was my other option. <laughs> uh, I chose that because I saw the value that Tulsa had through its people. Mm-hmm. And I don't think there are enough organizations and or accelerators or cohorts that intentionally bring together Tulsans and non-Tulsans. That is not something that I was seeing before this program, and I'm so happy that it exists to do that.
0: Yeah, no, that's so true. Now that you've mentioned that, I I think it's something that has been missing in this space, especially as we've been really intentionally attracting folks that are not from Tulsa, really Mm -hmm. don't have a tie to Tulsa, or I guess even folks that are boomeranging back, but like reintegrating with the people that have been here and are are you know, not really planning on leaving. And mm-hmm. and that is such an important conversation to have. And it sounds like that's something that was happening um, in, in your cohort too. And I think, mm-hmm. I love what you said too about like it bringing things out in people. I mean, obviously that's, it's a personal, if it's a personal development course, that's something that's going to happen. Um, every, uh, kind of the way that the graduation works and everything, I was able to do the tech for that. Oh, okay. um, and so I watched the video and at the first oh, yeah. one, I was like bawling my eyes out at like these videos. Like it was just so personally meaningful to me to just see like this journey and the the prompt is you know writing I think you write a letter to yourself and to Tulsa or is mm-hmm. it it's something along those lines and I'm like yeah, I can't be that introspective without crying.
1: Oh, <laughs> it just it was, really got me. <laughs> it was a really really good exercise. And I encourage everyone to apply so they can see what the exercise is for themselves. But for me, I wrote my letter to Tulsa. And at the time, my first book, Holistic Money Mindset, just came out. And um, there are some sections in the back of the book that are just extra workbook pages. And I wrote my letter actually in the back of this book, because for me, if it weren't for Tulsa, I don't think that I would have gotten my money mindset right Mm. at first, or at least had the awakening that I needed to, to think about my values and to think about my traumas and to understand the Tulsa race massacre and to understand what that means to me, not only as an educator, but an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. So I wrote my letter to Tulsa in this, and I will say that was probably the most therapeutic thing for me that year. especially as a black woman, it was it added validity to my words in a way that I don't think Tulsa could have ever done. Mm. I remember my first week being here in Tulsa and um, before I found my grandfather's um, registration records, I thought I found like his Dawes record. So I thought I was native. And I remember a, a black Choctaw woman telling me or a Choctaw woman telling me that the Choctaw Nation doesn't accept black people. And that was completely jarring to me to hear in a public audience my first week in Tulsa and to then three kind of three years later, fast forward in this NU session where I'm writing this letter to Tulsa and I'm writing about my hurt and I'm writing about my goals and I'm writing about how I plan to give back and to love Tulsa, how we were talking about in the beginning Mm -hmm. of this interview. Um, And I found that through that activity and through writing in the back of one of my books um, about my journey it gave me all the identity I needed. It let yeah. me know that my identity comes from the stories that I write. Um, so I hope it also encouraged people to write their story, become authors, to share their, share their insight because it is a testimony to someone else.
0: Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, I... I... Oh, the day I write a letter to Tulsa. <laughs>
1: <laughs> It'll be long.
0: Long. Yeah. It's getting longer by the day too.
1: <laughs> but I always say shout out to Aaron for creating that program and um, inviting me to be a part of the inaugural cohort. It was truly a game changer. And I'm so thankful that I've stayed in Tulsa in large part due to the NU program.
0: I love that. No, Aaron's Aaron's amazing. We're we're definitely having him on grow with us at some point. Raquel, we've had such an amazing conversation today, and I kind of want to round it out with just a, a little bit of a broad question. But I feel like you're a great person to answer this. With kind of all of these opportunities that have, have really, I I want to say sprung up for you, but also you've you've intentionally created these opportunities for yourself. What what is it that you did or do that allowed you allowed you to be open to those? Or you know, if you're considering a slew of options. What what did you listen to to help you make those decisions?
1: Mm-hmm. Number one, understand your values. I talk about this in my first book for a reason, because you have to understand what your personal values are. Not only should that help guide where your money flows, but also that should help guide where your time flows, because that's a form of capital as well. Mm-hmm. So, for example, my personal and business values are RAISE. Number one, R stands for Relationships. A stands for action, I stands for integrity, S stands for scary goals, and E stands for excellence. So for me, it's already a red flag if someone's asking me to do something and it doesn't align with any of my goals. Mm. Now, the problem comes when you have opportunities that align with multiple goals or you have multiple opportunities that align with your goals. How do you decide? I think it really comes down to where you feel like um, your values aren't being honored. So if you realize you have a certain value that has kind of been getting the... Um, cold shoulder, you haven't really been honoring a certain portion of yourself, be mm-hmm. intentional about taking on opportunities that allow you to awaken that side of you. Um, I heard this quote the other day that you should love yourself the way that you want others to love you. And I think that comes down to loving you se- yourself in terms of time, yeah. the way you want others to honor and love your time as well. So number one, know your values um, and know who you are. If you have a spiritual understanding or you have a spiritual background, then lean into that. I know whose I am and I know that... Uh, <laughs> (laughs) Doors have been open for me that I could not have opened myself. So I definitely put in a lot of work, but Mm -hmm. I got to thank God every day. Totally.
0: Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I love that answer because um, I've been in therapy now for about four four months. And literally, this is like one of the first exercises we did was like a personal values assessment. And I, I think that it really has helped. It's definitely helped me understand like why a lot of things that i'm i'm not going to really dive too deep into but mm-hmm. um it has been a huge tool for me to to know what i stand for and why i stand for it. i think that's a that's amazing advice mm-hmm. um okay lastly kind of what are ways to stay connected with you what are anything you want to plug i know you got some things to plug but um it sh- what anything that the grow with us audience could uh plug into or stay connected with
1: Thank you. I Number one, I really appreciate you having me here today. And like I said earlier, I just really want everyone to learn how to get involved with Tulsa, lean in, whether you're from here or whether you're not. Of course, I'm an advocate on behalf of my students, the best kids in North Tulsa. All right. So <laughs> if you want to learn how to contribute to academic excellence, North Tulsa education, if you're a business owner, or corporation in downtown Tulsa, I'm talking to you too. So definitely check out www.kip. Tulsa.org. I know it'll probably be in our show notes. Mm -hmm. If you would like to connect in terms of personal finance or all things minority-friendly wealth building, also feel free to check out rtbinvestments.org. Also, will be in the show notes. And if you just want to connect with me, I'm on LinkedIn, Raquel Wilson. um, And I just hope that everyone lives in abundance.
0: Oh, I love that, Raquel. Thank you so much for being here. This has been amazing. Thank you so much for being on this episode of Grow With Us. Join our talent network to stay in touch with our featured jobs and opportunities at NTulsa. tulsa You can visit our talent.intulsa.com website to join our talent network. That's talent.intulsa.com. By joining our talent network, you will get access to our newsletter where you can stay up to date with the latest career advice, featured opportunities within Tulsa partner companies, and our placement success stories. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify to be notified when more episodes of Grow With Us are released. Let us know what you think about how we are doing by rating and reviewing. Huge thank you to our editors at Rant9 Production and Jesse Ulrich. This has been Grow With Us.